I've entitled today's message, Grace Factors. Grace Factors. Uh, before we get into this message, I want to give you a working biblical definition of the word grace. Um, this is the best definition that most would, would probably agree with, and that is this. Grace is the undeserved mercy and favor of God. Grace is the undeserved mercy and favor of God. When Jesus, God's Son, was sent to earth for you and me to die on a cross for our sins so that we could have forgiveness and so that we could have salvation, that was God showing his undeserving mercy and favor. Now, there are many grace factors that we all need to understand. And so I'm going to share with you um, seven key grace factors that are probably beyond what you're just thinking. It's not just about talking about um, the grace of God, but it's understanding, hey, what do we need to know about that grace? And how does that make a difference in our lives and the lives of others? So I'm going to share with you some grace factors. The first grace factor is this. Number one, God wants you to know about his grace. You can't do something with something you don't know. So God wants you to know about his grace. Listen, every scripture we read throughout the Bible, it is all about the Lord's almighty grace, mercy, love, righteousness, truth, and justice. You know, what's, what's so fair about God is that God is fair as a whole. He has no favoritism. He loves us all incredibly. He lavishes his grace on each of us incredibly. Listen, if there's one thing you need to know for sure, it's this. You can write it down. God is gracious. God is gracious. God is gracious because that is who he is. You may lavish grace on someone in moments, in pieces. God is grace. Psalm 116 verse 5 says, Gracious is the Lord and consistently righteous. Yes, our God is compassionate. Listen, if God wasn't compassionate and gracious, do you think he would still be letting the world make their own decisions? Do you think that he wouldn't already be flooding this place or, or, or burning up this place? Listen, God is gracious. If God isn't good and God isn't gracious, none of us are here today. Listen, it's only because of God's extreme grace and love that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for you and me. I want you to look at Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 11. It's probably a passage you don't really read that much. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. Romans 5, 6 to 11, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. That's us, you and me. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Verse 8 says, But God showed His great love, His great grace for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You need to remember that God made His move towards you far before you made your move towards Him. And God loves you despite you. Verse 9 says, And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Jesus Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Listen, we are able to have a close relationship with God, not because we're good enough, not because we deserve anything, but because God is gracious. God is love. It's nothing we've done. You need to remember that. Your salvation is nothing you did to deserve your salvation. It's nothing you could do to deserve your salvation. It is all about the blood of Jesus Christ. It is all about his amazing grace. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, meaning we're all in need, in desperate need of God's grace. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, because of our sin, we deserve uh, eternity in hell. We deserve eternity in hell. But scripture comes out and says, but because of Jesus's gift of grace through Jesus Christ, we don't have to go to hell. 
We don't have to go to hell. But a lot of times, listen, you know what people really struggle with? They go, um, I don't feel like I'm a Christian. Well, what if I told you Christianity is not a feeling? It's not a feeling. If you go by your feeling, there's a lot of things. Listen, you don't want to go by your, your gut. You want to go by your God. There's a difference. I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus Christ, even as a pastor's son, I spent years giving my life to Jesus Christ one more time because I, I certainly didn't feel too Christian-y. And I know that's not a word, but I made it up. How many of you know what I mean? You don't feel too Christian-y sometimes, especially if somebody really gets up underneath your skin or you watch the news and you're, not, you're going, listen, I'm about to go, go cray-cray. <clears throat> Listen, there's three things you should know about God's grace. You can write these down. God's grace is undeserving, unconditional, unexplainable. God's grace is undeserving, unconditional, unexplainable. God's amazing grace gives every sinner hope. Let me help you understand this. The reason we need to be focused on the 75% throughout this county and beyond that would never walk into the doors of a church and very likely do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord is because Jesus died for them just as much as he died for us. And he doesn't want one sinner to perish. We will never apologize around here that our number one primary focus is to reach lost people because there's nothing worse than a soul going to hell. Nothing worse. I've done a lot of funerals, hundreds. I've never seen anything greater than, than, than a family member getting to hear, or a friend getting to hear, hey, that person knew Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. That person is in a better place. Not hope to be in a better place. That person is in a better place. There's no greater gift than salvation that comes through God's grace. Grace factor number two, God wants you to experience his grace. God wants you to experience His grace. God is not just wanting you to know about His grace. God wants you to experience His grace. Listen, you can know something. You know how, you know how I always tell you this, that the church is full of people that have plenty of information and zero sign of transformation. So if you ever wonder, again, I can say this because I'm a pastor. I can say this because I grew up in the church and I was a pastor's son all my life. Most churches are full of people who know enough to be dangerous, but have not experienced. Not, they, it, listen, when you experience something, it becomes a part of your life. When you just know about something, it's, a, it's something that you reference. So therefore, most people who claim faith or maybe acknowledge, hey, well, I'm a Christian or this or that, they may know about Christ, but because they don't really know Christ, They've not experienced Christ. Listen, there's a difference between religion and a relationship with God. Religion is just a list of do's and don'ts. It can overwhelm you. There's not a whole lot of grace in that. But it's about a relationship. God wants you to encounter him. Listen, God is not just wanting you to know about his grace. He wants you to experience his grace by believing in Jesus, his son's death, burial, and resurrection. Look at Ephesians 1.7. I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible for understanding. It says, in him, we have redemption. That is our deliverance and salvation through his blood, which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sin in accordance with the riches of his grace. Listen, God wants you to experience his grace because then you can live in his grace. But you got to know about it. Listen, you're always having to know more and more about it. The more you know, the better you can live it out and experience it. I don't have this up on the screen, but you've heard this reference before. You can write down the scripture reference. John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Don't just read 3, 3, 16, but what about what verses 17 and 18 says? You've heard this before, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But it goes on to say that, that listen, Jesus was not sent to condemn the world, but that the world through him, through his grace, could be saved. 
Listen, when we choose to admit our sin, when we choose to believe in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sin, when we choose to invite Jesus Christ into our heart, make him our Savior and our Lord, the Bible says every believer will experience God's grace and salvation. You know what makes grace so unbelievable? is that it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what other people think about you or what you think about yourself. The gift of grace is there for you. That's why the thief on the cross, the thief on the cross, remember there was a a person to Jesus' right and to his left when he's hanging on the cross? One of those people who'd been a thief and murderer all his life, he just mocked Jesus all the way until he took his last breath. We just call that stupid. But the other thief, the other thief, while he may have lived an absolutely terrible life, he believed in Jesus, and he said, Jesus, will you please remember me when you get to paradise? And Jesus said, hey, today you will be with me in paradise. It's called grace. The reason we know it's about grace and not good works is this. The thief on the cross didn't have time to go back and relive life. He didn't have time. Don't ever look at anybody and say they can't be saved. Thank God you and I aren't Jesus. Listen, Ephesians, Romans 10, 9, I want you to hear this. It's a very confirming scripture. Romans 10, 9 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can take that one scripture right there and say, Hey, that's what's got to be your response. Have you believed in Jesus as your Savior, and have you made Jesus your Lord? Listen, don't just say, hey, I want to get out of hell free card. Who doesn't? Who in their right mind? Listen, even a complete claiming atheist doesn't want to go to hell. They'll be like, hey, I don't want to go to hell if it exists. It's not just about making him your Savior. It's about declaring him as your Lord. And listen, the fruit is in the evidence. If there's been a heart change, there'll be a life change. I want you to write that down. If there's, a, if there's a heart change, there'll be a life change. Ephesians 4, 7 says, Yet grace, God's undeserved favor, it was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways, in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and abundant gift. Listen, God's grace is a gift that is not only unbelievable, but it is undeserving and it is unconditional. And, and listen, God doesn't give you grace and then take it back. He's not like us. He's not an Indian giver. He gives it to us and he says, hey, It's a free gift, no strings attached. Thirdly, grace factor number three, God wants you to rely on his grace. This is where grace starts to change you, is when you learn to rely on his grace. Listen, your salvation, I'm going to touch on just some biggies right here. Your salvation and your prayers and your confidence in your faith all depend on on you relying on God's grace. First of all, let's look at this. Only by grace through faith in Jesus are we saved. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You did nothing for it, but you did believe God for it. Okay, that's where the element of faith is. You're believing that God is who he says he is, his son is who he says he is, and he means what he said. Listen, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. If you ever hear anybody say, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that, and you got to do that to earn your salvation, tell them that your pastor said, listen, and you don't know God's grace because it's not a matter of your performance. It's not about your perfection. It's about your perfect Savior's performance on the cross who paid in full your debt owed. Listen, I'm so glad. I don't know about you. I'm so glad that God is a God of grace. The only way that you and I can have a relationship with God is not by what we do or have done, but because God reached down from heaven through his love, through his grace, through Jesus Christ. Only by grace can you have a relationship with Jesus now and can you look forward to being in heaven later. Only by grace can we pray with confidence. Hebrews 4.16 says, So let us boldly come to the throne of our gracious God. 
There we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it most. Do you know what one of the things that keeps us back sometimes from praying confidently is this? Well, with the way I've been living, Pastor, I don't think God wants to hear my prayers. You're wrong. God wants to hear your prayers. He may want to change your heart. But God always wants to hear. The Bible says he's an ever-present help in our every time of need. You know what the devil loves to do? He likes to make you feel so unworthy and so guilty that you can't come to God. And by the way, that's usually when you most need to run to God. It's usually when everything within you is going, listen, I, I, I can't go to that altar. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's not about you. It's about his grace. It's not about your goodness. It's about his goodness. Look at what... Um, uh, what scripture did I just read? Hebrews 4.16 says again, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. You need to understand more than, more than any parent, listen, any great parent truly means it when they say, hey, I don't care what you've done. I might not like what you've done. I might not like what you're doing, but I love you and I extend my arms out to you anytime. God's that way. When you come to him in prayer, he's got his arms open wide saying, listen, you come to me first. You come to me anytime. I already know every, listen, have you ever thought about this? God already knows everything about you. It's not like, it's not like you're bowing your head and say, you know, God, I hate to tell you this secret. But God, I, I've been doing some stuff. He's like, seriously? Adam and Eve thought they could hide from God, but, but it, it's not a matter of hiding from God. You just need to choose to run to God. Listen, you always do one or two things. You either turn from God or you run to God with anything in your life. Sometimes we think we've gone so far, we don't think, feel like we can turn around, and God's still sitting there with the arms stretched out saying, hey, come to me, and you'll find grace. You'll find mercy. Listen, only by grace can we overcome anything. This one's huge. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Listen, sometimes God allows all of you to be emptied so that he can be seen. You ever notice that sometimes it's, it's when you've run to the absolute end of yourself, you are wore out and you feel like there's nothing else you can do, and that's when he says, listen, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Christ is enough. Listen, only when we sincerely, I want you to hear this part, only when we sincerely humble ourselves before God can we experience God's grace. Write that down. Only when you humble yourselves before God can you experience God's grace. It's there for the taking, but it doesn't come to the prideful people who are full of themselves. James 4, 6 says, and he gives grace generously, as the scripture says. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace factor number four, God wants you to testify about his grace. God wants you to testify about his grace. Yes, he wants you to know it. Yes, he wants you to experience it. Yes, he wants you to rely on it but he wants you to tell other people about it. Let me tell you what the church has to do more of. We've got to listen. Let me go ahead and swear all of you in. Don't even, you ain't even got to raise your hand. I'm just going to go ahead and pretend like you got it raised. Say, I, being a believer in Jesus Christ, understand that God has lavished his grace on me, and I need to make sure I testify his grace in me. Listen, we, you've heard this before about sharing your testimony. You've got to keep sharing your testimony. It is the most powerful thing that God uses in your life. Listen, God's grace is not just for you. You need to remember that sometimes. It's not just for you. Listen, I always often say this. If, if, God, if God didn't need you to continually be um, one of his ministers, one of his ambassadors of grace, then the moment that you gave your life to Christ, he'd just beam you up. Okay? You give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, he says, all right, you are ready now. Um, I'm going to bring you on to heaven. No, he leaves us here because he still has a purpose for us here. 
This life is about that short. This life is about that short. As the 94-year-old lady told me in the nursing home, she said, Pastor, I just blinked and I was here. That's what will happen in your life. And either you will have wasted the dash that you had or you will have made the most of it. Listen, there's nothing you can do more than to allow the grace of God to be shown and demonstrated and testified in your life. Listen, God uses sinners saved by grace to tell other people about his grace. God uses sinners saved by grace to tell other sinners how they can be saved by grace. Your testimony, by the way, you can write this down. Your testimony when you share something with someone is, is what was your life before Christ? So before Christ, how did you come to Christ? And now how has your life changed because of Christ? That change, by the way, is both now and later. Acts chapter 20, verse 24 says, the apostle Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Listen, the Apostle Paul says, he says, he says, my life's purpose is to know Christ and to make Christ known, is to walk in his grace and to share his grace. Listen, to testify to others about the grace of God, you have to share your testimony. You can not be proud of where you've come from, but yet still realize that it is a platform to show the grace of God to someone who is still where you used to be, but by grace you no longer are. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 through 17 says, this is the same man, the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament. He says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Maybe that's your testimony. Christ Jesus you discovered, came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Verse 16 says, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invincible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Many of you, you're forfeiting the good stuff because you would like to make your past just the past, and God wants to make it his platform. I don't think there's anything you could do greater in ministry than to actually be real. Around here, I just, I don't, I'm just not going to hide it from you. I don't like pretend. My own mom is going, she's like, listen, you told me you don't even like church people. I said, that's correct. No, I don't like, I like God's people. I, I'm not trying, we're not trying to be churchy. We're not trying to have church here. We don't gather. We don't care about our seating capacity. We care about our impact capacity around here. We, 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 we don't care about looking like we've got it all together. You know, maybe you don't already know it about yourself. But again, I told you before, I'm a hot mess. I, I keep trying to not be a hot mess, but it's, it's like I can't unhot mess myself. <laughs> so, so I keep having to rely on God's grace. Amen. So if you want to be a member of the hot mess club, you have, we're going to get badges, okay? I want to get a badge. If anybody makes badges, please let me know after the service. I would like one. I don't want some tattoo branded on me because that might hurt. I'm a baby. <laughs> but if I was getting a tattoo, I think that's what I'd give for Okay, so maybe, that's, maybe, maybe some of you needed to do that. You know, if, if one of y'all come back to me with a hot mess, and you're like, Pastor, I got it right here on my chest. <laughs> well, that's good. It's better there than your forehead, okay? I have to do these things every now and then just to wake y'all up, okay? That was the intermission. Let's get back to this. I want you to hear this. You should never get over the grace of God. I want you to write that down. You should never get over the grace of God. When you're no longer talking about the grace of God, it's just because you've forgotten the grace of God. 
So you, you realize it when you're very weak. You realize it when you're very weak, but, you, but, but you, you, you're no longer realizing it. You're, you're self-reliant instead of God-reliant when you're not talking about that grace. Listen, when you forget the grace that Christ has extended to you, you will forget to tell other people about the grace that can be and is extended to them. That's God right there beeping, telling y'all. Grace factor number five. God wants you to appreciate his grace. God wants you to appreciate his grace. Let me explain this. God never wants us to take his grace for granted. Many take God's grace for granted, and they waste God's grace. And by the way, one of the ways we waste that grace is by not talking to other people about it. Again, saying, hey, I once was lost. I once was a hot mess. Still am a hot mess. But listen, guess what? God loved me anyway. Jesus died for me anyway. I found salvation anyway. I found new life in Christ anyway. Look at Romans 6, 1 through 6. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Verse 5 says, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. That's a huge one to hear. If you're in Christ, you're no longer a slave to sin. That doesn't mean you don't sin. But sin no longer has power over you. Sin no longer um, determines your eternal sentence. And condemns you to hell. Listen, while we all must rely on the grace of God, we should never abuse the grace of God. People do it all the time. I have done it. Listen, if we have truly given our hearts and lives to Jesus, we should desire daily to die to ourselves and to live for Christ. It's not that we don't remain sinners saved by grace, but we should not be living in willful disobedience. I want you to write that down. You don't want to continue to live in willful disobedience. You may have a weakness. We all have a weakness, by the way. If you've ever watched Superman with his kryptonite, I believe this. We all have a kryptonite. We all have a crease, a, 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 a inch that Satan wants to try to work through. He may have been trying to use that one temptation and that one struggle for you for years and years and years. He'll keep trying to come through that because he's like, hey, that's what I know really gets him. That's when you got to rely on the grace of God. But you have to strive. Listen, while you aren't perfect, like the apostle Paul said, you keep striving for perfection. Around here, we don't get everything perfect at the church, but I can promise you this, every single day we wake up, we try to make it better than it was the day before. This church is only a fragment of what it will ever be. But right now in the moment, we're trying to do the best we can. We know it's not going to be perfect. In fact, guess what? Around here, we've started learning. Uh, it's not about perfection. It's about connection. Okay. And by the way, when you're connected to God and you're close to God, the closer you are to God, the more empowered you will be in Christ. Listen, too often, I want you to write this down, too often we take for granted God's grace and we use it as a license to sin because you go and you misquote the pastor and you're like, well, the pastor said that even the thief on the cross, he didn't have to do nothing. Well, he didn't have time to do nothing. Do you hear me? He didn't have time to do nothing. You go check your word and you'll hear Jesus say this right after somebody turned their life over to him. He says, now go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Didn't say you won't sin. Seek to live for your Savior. Don't allow the grace of God to be your excuse to sin. You're like, well, the, uh, as soon as you say this, by the way, the only thing I'm doing is... You know, I'm better than most people because I... I I, I, I only do this. If it's wrong in God's eyes, it's wrong. The Bible says anything that, that, that we do that God didn't want us to do is sin. Anything we don't do 
that God wants us to do is sin. Often we take God's for granted, his grace for granted, and we just go out and we live however we want because we go, well, listen, you know, by grace through faith, I'm saved. And I need you to understand, when you realize all that Christ has done for you, the more you realize that, the more you want to do for him. See, the, the, you got to understand God's grace. Listen, if, some, if you knew that somebody gave their life for you in real life, okay? Just like, let's just take our soldiers. When you feel like, okay, well, guess what? They defend our country, or this or that person went out and defended our country, you go, hey, thank you. Thank you. If somebody stepped in front of you and took a bullet for you, you'd feel indebted to that person the rest of your life. You'd, you'd be like, listen, I'm always going to remember you. I'm always going to do Listen, Jesus Christ gave up his life, had nails driven in his hands and feet for you. What are you doing for him? Don't abuse and don't take for granted the grace of God. Number six, grace factor number six, God wants you to demonstrate his grace. God wants you to demonstrate his grace. You can write this down. God saved you by grace so that you could be an instrument of grace. God saved you by grace so that you can be an instrument of grace. Again, nothing God gives you or tells you or shows you is meant just for you. It may help you. By the way, it doesn't matter how many scripture verses you know. Share the scripture verses you do know. It doesn't matter how much you haven't figured out anything. Share what you have by the grace of God figured out. That's the gift you have to share with other people. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ. Listen, God not only wants us to experience his grace, but he wants us to demonstrate his grace to others. You have to remember, you are an ambassador. You are a reflection of Jesus Christ. You may be the only Jesus anybody sees. You know, one of the things that repels people from a lot of churches is because they met people who were in the churches. Make sure you aren't the reason that they don't find God's grace. I really believe this. Christians should be the most graceful people on the planet. Not the biggest, oh my God, I'll get into that here in just a few. I got plenty for that because I watch Facebook. <laughs> I always say, I don't need to watch the news. I just watch Facebook. I try to check it out at least 30 seconds a day. Listen, what does it look like to demonstrate God's grace? You have to demonstrate to others the same amazing grace God has demonstrated to you. Well, you can write that down. Demonstrate to others the grace that God's demonstrated to you, which is undeserving, unconditional, unexplainable. Do you know what? One of the things I'll get, just, I'll just say this. Do you know one of the things that I do? I've been doing it for years. That um, uh, is one of the greatest um, approaches that I've taken over my years of ministry is this. this. I, it's my goal to kill people with kindness. Okay? I don't make any... I don't make any apologies for that. Again, I mean, since when is it a sin to be kind? I want to love people so deeply. That they think I am intoxicated with his love. I want people to go, hey, I want to know what he knows. I want to have what he has. I want to, to see what he sees. If you do that, I can promise you, people will eventually follow you and want to know more about you. I find it's very easy for me to get anybody to, to, to meet me outside the church. I just can't get anybody and everybody inside the church. And that's because sometimes they just don't feel like the people of God are people of grace. I mean, we try to bait the door, by the way. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I said, listen, I said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Please come visit the church, and if you don't feel welcome when you come, please let us know, and whoever greeted you won't be there. You just come back the next week. And I told them, and they said, what if I come back that week? I had one do that. And they're like, what if I come back that week? And I said, well, we'll change that one out too. I said, it might, be, might be just be down to me, you, and two other people. 
But listen, people feeling God's grace is critical. Do you know what draws people to God? Is His love, is His grace. Not us throwing darts at people. Listen, anyone who calls themselves a Christian should be the most gracious people on the planet, not spiritual gorillas who use politics and other things to express their opinion while throwing aside the love of God. I don't even like your post. I don't even like that type of stuff. I'm just sitting there thinking, well, hey, I don't want to hang out with them too long. Because I'm telling you, listen, don't allow worldly arguments to override God's grace in your life. Don't be so worried. Don't be so focused on being right that you don't do what's right. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read several scriptures that describe what does this grace look like in our lives. Ephesians 4, 30 through 32 says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, harsh words, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. If you are growing in grace, you will become more kind and more gracious to others. A huge indicator that you are not walking in grace is the fact that you are not allowing God to lavish others with grace through you. Colossians 3.12 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, which is a description of grace, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Listen, we are vessels of God's grace. What does it mean to be a person of grace? Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Live wisely among those who are not believers. By the way, when you're around non-believers, that's when you should be at the top of your game, not when you're with the club members of the church. God recently put this on my heart. The future of the church is this. The members will meet on the inside. The mission will exist on the outside. If you're a school teacher, take it to the school. If you're a plant worker, take it to the plant. Whatever, wherever you are, you're an extension of God's grace. And it says, listen, live wisely among those who are not believers. Why? Because non-believers are already looking for ways not to believe. Don't give them one more. It says, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Listen, let your conversations be full of grace. Some of you, you need to take your tongue and soak it in grace. You need to get some grace inside of your heart because one thing that's really tough to swallow and I've had to swallow it many a times in my own life, is this, what comes out of the mouth came out of the heart. So don't say something and then say you didn't mean it because you said it. You just didn't mean for it to be heard. Listen, we've got to learn how to speak with the language of grace instead of speaking with the language of judgment. We live in a judgmental society, and it doesn't matter what side you sit on anything. I'm telling you, we live in a judgmental society. We should not live that way. Listen, do you know what? Jesus had the harshest words for the religious know-it-alls called Pharisees and Sadducees of his day because they didn't know how to speak with grace. They were always speaking judgmental. They were always flooded with condemnation. And he was like, listen, no, no, no. You've heard it said. He said powerful stuff like this. I mean, these people are wanting to throw stones at this one lady who was caught in adultery. Jesus is like, listen, who without sin cast the first stone? And everybody left. 1 Peter 3.8 says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. At the, listen, the church, 
The church has to be of one mind, one heart, one mission. I want you to write that down. I hadn't even thought about that, but the church has to be of one heart, one mind, one mission. And I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about anybody who's trying to walk in Christ, trying to live it out, trying to encourage other people to find it out. Every church around, by the way, that's in Christ, they are brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't pray for refuge alone. You pray for every person who bears the name of Jesus Christ worldwide. We should all be, it says, of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humble attitude. By the way, that brothers and sisters deal, you know good and well, if somebody in your family does something, you're going to normally be gracious towards them because they're family. That's the way we're supposed to treat other people, like family like we would want to be treated, be tender-hearted, humble attitude. Listen, be sympathetic towards other people. Be gracious. Ephesians 4.2 says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. There was one time that my older brother, he was just going through a difficult time in his life, and um, he was pretty much being ostracized um, and, and didn't understand you know, what it was that he could do to get people off his back. And what he found was this, was that most people, including this idiot, all we knew to do was send him a scripture verse. Let me say something to you. People need love and grace before they even need a scripture verse quoted. And my brother said something that changed me several years ago. I said, well, well, try to tell me how you're doing. And he just simply said, he said, it's just tough to be where I am. It's just tough to be where I am. Listen, when you come to somebody and they're going through a tough time, just at least accept the fact that it's just tough to be them. Listen, I wouldn't, if, if I didn't meet people where they are, I'd never get to minister to anybody. I'd never get to minister to anybody. Like I said, it's not, it's not about being or sounding right. It's about seeking to lift up Christ and him be seen through you. Listen, if it's grace, it being seen through you, they aren't finding him through you. Listen, the Bible says about the spirit of God living within every believer that it produces certain things. Look at Galatians 5, 20, 21 and 22, or 22 and 23 actually. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of, of fruit in our lives, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We know that we've given control when God is in control. Listen, we could all take these things that we've been talking about, wrap them all into one word, the word grace. This is the way to be a graceful person. Listen, how many of you would like to be around people who are full of grace, people full of God's love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, and mercy? Strive to be the kind of person that you would want to be around. Sometimes there's a reason somebody don't want to be around you. Maybe nobody's ever told you that. I can tell you that up here. Sometimes, I listen, I, I wouldn't want to be around. I, you know what? I don't like to be around people who won't let me be where I am. I don't call those friends. I don't even want those to be continual acquaintances. Because, I mean, what's the worst part is when you're going through anything, and you're always going through something, but when you can't be who you are and where you are, nobody, they're not meeting you there. So what, what do you end up having to do? You have to keep the mask on, and you just talk. You just put the mask on. You know, you and them both. Maybe, maybe you and your friends have a mask on because there's not grace sitting there. Look at Luke 6, 36 and 37. Jesus says, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. He's saying here, be merciful, be graceful. Jesus is saying, your Father in heaven, he is merciful, he is graceful. Be like your daddy. Be like your daddy. The ki Listen, the kids should look like the dad. And you are a child of God. 
If you call yourself a child of God, you need to reflect the love of God and the grace of God. Listen, having received this grace, we must grow in this grace. Listen, I need to demonstrate God's grace because I am a work of God's grace. I want you to hear that. You need to demonstrate God's grace because you are a work of God's grace. And a continual work, by the way. You don't arrive, you keep striving. Lastly, grace factor number seven. God wants you to keep growing in his grace. God wants you to keep growing in his grace. Listen, growing in God's grace, it is two-dimensional. One, you keep growing in your understanding of God's grace towards you. I am still growing in my understanding. This message, even this preparation, I've never preached a message on this. It grew my own understanding of God's grace. How many of you know sometimes you just need to be reminded of something? It's not that you've never heard it before. There's, this is twofold, by the way. Listen, you grow in your understanding and you're, you're embracing and experiencing of God's grace, and then you also have to grow in learning how to demonstrate God's grace because some people are going to make you want to go crazy. Okay? So let's acknowledge that too. Sometimes it, something just gets all up in you and you've had enough. That's why we got to keep growing in God's grace. Listen, grace is, is vertical with God, from God, and, and, and it is also horizontal. When it comes to us, it should flow through us. And we got to keep growing in that. Listen, I've got to keep growing in my understanding, my experiencing of God's grace, my learning to rely on God's grace. Because listen, when you don't rely on God's grace, it will wear you out. Because you're like, hey, I got to rely on my knowledge. I got to rely on my strength. I got to rely on my performance. And if you're wired like me, and deep down you want to do anything you could perfectly, you're disappointed often with yourself. So I'm, di I'm disappointed with myself every hour. Because, see, Satan always is doing this. He's, Satan likes you. I want you to remember this. Satan likes to focus on what you didn't do and what you can't do. And maybe even what God hasn't done that you could see. And God's going, listen, my grace is sufficient. Let me cover you once again. Listen, every child of God must continue to grow in God's grace. Second Peter 3.18, it says, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. I want to say this to you just about God's word. The more you meditate on God's word, the more you will be introduced to who God is. You cannot read the word of God without finding the grace of God. You can't. Colossians 1-2 says, God's holy people, faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, may our Father give you grace and peace. Listen, every child of God is a work of God's grace, and we have to keep growing and, and, and really getting baptized in that grace. I want you to write this down. The more you grow in God's grace, the more you will grow in God's peace. The more you grow in God's grace, the more you will grow in God's peace. Listen, many think that Christian growth just happens. But I'm telling you right now, you got to work towards it. You got to aim for it. You got to give God your whole heart. You got to keep studying God's word to be reminded of God's truth and God's grace. You got to keep relying on God's grace, not your perfection, but your connection to Jesus Christ. You got to keep growing as instruments of God's grace. Listen, the joy is in being an instrument of God's grace, of not just waiting to get to heaven, but realizing that you've got a heavenly purpose every morning, day, or night. Listen, around here, we exist to love, lift, and lead people to Jesus, but we invite you to instantly join us in that journey where you live, where you work, where you play. Listen, let your attitude, let your actions, let your words be full of grace. The same grace that God has lavished on you that you don't deserve. Make sure you're allowing God to pour it through you to them. And by the way, sometimes with people, you just got to step away because you, you know the saying, if you don't got nothing good to say, 
don't say nothing at all. Sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes, sometimes you have to limit. I call it limited in the secondhand smoke. There's some people, I can't stay around them long because I'm, I'm probably go Kung Fu Panda. You know these words, but I say them to you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Is there anything in that that says you did it or deserved it? No. So don't act like it. Don't boast about you, boast about him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I humble myself before you. I acknowledge that I am fully reliant upon your grace, upon your goodness. Lord, it's only by grace through faith, Lord, in your son, Jesus Christ, who died on that cross and who overcome that grave the third day, Lord, that I am able to be forgiven of sin and have the promise of eternal life. God, I pray if there's anyone here today listening that has not yet admitted their sin, believed in Jesus for their salvation, and declare Jesus their Savior and Lord, God, I pray that they would do that today. God, I pray, Lord, today, Lord, that uh, that person that just feels so, so far from you, feels so unworthy of you, God, may they understand your grace is sufficient. Your grace is greater than their greatest sin. And God, when you forgive, when we confess our sins, Lord, you promise that you forgive us completely. You throw our sins as far as the east is from the west. God, I pray for any person today, Lord, that just needs to embrace your forgiveness. God, I pray that they know, Lord, you are just full of grace full of love. God, your mind has not changed about them. Lord, you just want what's best for them. God, I pray they would run to you as you, Lord, have your arms open wide for them. God, I pray for that person that just needs to, to reconnect and rededicate their lives to you. God, I pray that they would make their way to this altar or they would go to someone today and, and Lord, allow them to, to, to pray with them or pray for them. Heavenly Father, God, right now, I pray that whatever it is that you will for us to do in response to this time and this message that you've given, that we would do that. In Jesus' name.